Welcome to the Heart to Biz podcast, the show for people to share their heart behind what they do. Be reminded why you started and discover what keeps you going. Here's Laurel and Shasta. Hi, I'm Shasta. And I'm Laurel. And on this episode of Heart to Biz, we have a very special guest. His name is Dustin. He's a senior citizen lawyer right here in Sacramento. We are so excited to hear about his heart today. Welcome, Hi. Dustin. How you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Great. So, hey, you've got um, you've got a business. You get uh, anybody's going down Fair Oaks Boulevard from Sunrise or towards Sunrise there on Fair Oaks Boulevard. See, you have a big. Yeah. Um, uh, building, you talk about um, probates and wills and things like that. Yep. So how long you been in business? Uh, tell us a little bit about your practice and what you're doing, how many people you employ, th- that kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, so I've been in business, I guess, technically I've been licensed as an attorney since 2009. I've been in this location for about nine years. And um, this is just something I always wanted to do. Uh Ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to be a lawyer. I used to sit up late at night with my mom and watch Perry Mason reruns. And, you know, I just never wanted to be a fireman or an astronaut. It was always like, I want to be a lawyer. And, but instead I got married. I had a, got a career. I bought a house. I had some kids, but I always talked about being a lawyer. And my wife finally came to me one day. And she goes, she said, either shut up or go to law school. <laughs> Like enough, right? So, so I enrolled in law school and went to school at night while working during the day. And and my wife was a law school widow for nearly five years. And uh, so then I passed the bar and got light, got my license in uh, January of t- 2009. And then I was like the dog that caught the car. Like, okay, now what? You know, I've been chasing this for so long. So I was 36 years old, and and I don't know if you remember 2008, but it was a rough patch in the economy to say the least. And so. Um, I, I had a non-lawyer day job. I did that for a little while, but eventually I, about a year later, I quit that and I opened my own practice. So I didn't go out job hunting. I just ride out on my own. And so from 2000, essentially 2011, um, I've been doing this full time and it's been phenomenal. I mean, this is what I always wanted to do. So before I became a lawyer, I sold medical supplies to nursing homes and had a lot of exposure to seniors. I met their families. I saw what um, not having an estate plan did when you got sick, because most of the time people think about it as dying, and really it's getting sick first. So I um, I started the practice. I went into kind of estate planning and really with an emphasis on working with seniors. So I've been in this location, like I said, about eight or nine years, and um, really just having the time of my life. We have You asked about the employees. So um, right now, I think we have um, 10 employees, uh, maybe 11 employees uh, uh, full time. In fact, during COVID, we hired. Um, We just we never closed a day. We were just, you know, if the government's going on TV telling people that they're going to die, I think having your act together is pretty important, you know, so um, we stayed open We, with necessary precautions, and we just were here to serve people. I love that you guys chose the senior citizen lawyer, because anytime that you type in anything senior related, you pop up, and I think it's brilliant. <laughs> I, that's that's the goal is to, you know, I used to just go by McFarland Legal, and no one could remember my last name or spell my last name. It didn't really tell who we served or what we did. 
senior citizen lawyer really kind of speaks to who our primary clients are, which is, you know, I guess you could join AARP at 50. So, but probably primarily people over, you know, 60 or 65 years old who, who just want to make sure that they have their, as people say, as their ducks in a row. And, you know, I saw one of your commercials and I, it was really powerful because you were talking about a young man. It was a picture of his mom that says, look, it's your job to look out for your mom. Are you doing are you doing the right thing? Yeah. And, you know, so it's not just the seniors, but, you know, we got to protect your you got to protect your parents. Yeah, protect lot, your children, you know, well, so that's yeah. a big deal. I mean, a lot of times parents don't know if they're protected or if, what they have or haven't done for their kids. And kids are going to have to clean up the mess at some point. So my advice is always get involved sooner rather than later. You know, while there's while your folks are still young enough to answer questions and point you in the right direction, let's talk to them, you know, um, as opposed to waiting until they get sick or die and then just you have no idea what's going on. So that's always my advice. Get involved early. What would you say the first steps that somebody should take when it comes to their loved one? I know that some people have a will, but that doesn't quite help them legally, right? Well, I mean, we're dealing with two different things. So we're dealing we're, the question is, the one on everyone's mind is what happens when I die? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the big one. When Really, it should be what happens if I'm just kind of dead, but not totally dead. That's much more likely. You know, most people get sick for a period of time before they actually pass away. And it's during that incapacity that really they need help. And it's super difficult. And so a lot of times and a power of attorney is just not good enough anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, we there's So I would say the first step is to just ask, start that conversation with, with your loved ones. You know, I was at a family fun, a family dinner over the holidays, not, you know, just a few months ago and my grandmother's 93 and my family, like a lot of families, we don't talk about death, especially the 93 year old in the room, but you know, who thinks about it is her. Like she knows she's 93. All of her friends are dead. Half of her, most of her family's dead. Like every, she, she knows, right. She, and so I just blurted out in when there was a lull in the conversation, I just said, so grandma, what's going to happen when you die? And the room just went quiet. And like, no one could believe that I would bring up such a taboo subject and talk about grandma dying, but you have to. And then, so she proceeded to tell us exactly what she thought. And the funny thing is, she had thought about all this stuff. It really wasn't in writing. She hadn't really done anything formally. And, you know, I've tried to bring it up to my grandmother, but my, that part of the family, they kind of, um, they're, I don't want to seem like I'm taking charge. So I'm going to let them deal with it. And they'll probably ask me to clean up the mess at the end. But um, so there's, you try to be sensitive about it, but she had thought about things. She just, we needed to formalize it. And so we just started, had that conversation. And wanted to know, we had to figure out where the money was, where the title to the property was, just, you know, what bills there are every month, what her insurance is, who her doctors are, kind of everything. And, and that's, so to me, it's just that starting the conversation, that's the process. That's where you go. Start. Yeah. And you also offer um, like something that people don't have to pay for 
at the start of this conversation, right? That people can come and. Yeah. I mean, we always have a, a free consultation just to kind of, people can kind of get a sense of where they're at and what they're, what, what they're facing. Um, the person that so our intake specialist, she's a licensed nursing home administrator. Her career was spent working with families who had seen the worst that, you know, life had to offer. I mean, people had strokes or other illnesses and they spent their last, you know, days under her watchful eye. She's seen when things are nice, well organized and family gets along and she's also seen the worst of it. So she brings a lot of insight and experience to the table because really no one has legal questions. Really wanted people mm-hmm. want to know what happens. Like, how does a system work? I know I often tell people, <clears throat> if you don't, if you hate your children, don't get an estate plan. Don't get a trust. <laughs> because it is so much more work and expense to deal with it after the fact than to deal with it before the fact, right? Yeah. No, you're right. Most people don't want the government involved in their lives. Just, I would say generally, every now and then we find a, a, a an oddball, but most of the time people don't want the government dictating where you live, what you eat, who spends your money, um, who inherits your property, how much they can inherit, how long, uh, you know, who else, who has access to all of your protected private information. When you go to court, everything is public record. And Mm -hmm. it is just no fun. Yeah, it's a waste of time and money. So, um, Dustin, you've got two things. You've got your practice of law where Uh you're helping clients. um, And then you have... um, and, you know, and, and you've always wanted to do this. So this is kind of like, you know, your dream thing where you created it exactly the way you want it. Yeah. And then you have a business to run, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't know, when I grew up, you know, it was always this weird thing about marketing for attorneys, right? <laughs> yeah, and it still kind of is. owning a business, right? I mean, so they've, they've kind of loosened it up a little bit. Yeah, but it is, it's, it's all of owning it. So um, marketing is... So running a business is is challenging. And so we're no, I'm no different than a plumber or an electrician or anyone else, right? The reason I went into business, like you, like everyone, is we thought that we could do our craft better than the other guy. And we so why would we work for someone else and we can do it better? And so but so so we're selling the service of law, but we still have to run a business and be profitable. The weird thing about a lawyer is most consumers don't know how to compare between the two. I would say very similar to realtors, probably, you know, you or, or, or people who buy houses like they don't know how to know is this a good one or this not a good one, you know. And, yeah. and, and so that so we still have to I mean, we run our business like a business. We have a business plan. We have a budget. We have a little bit of in reserves and, you know, for a rainy day. We have a marketing budget. We have um, KPIs, so performance indicators that our employees have to meet so that they can, you know, remain employees. We have um, regular reviews of the processes. We have written processes and procedures. I mean, we really try to run our business like a business. And what I find is that a lot of attorneys have no idea, even just their cost of goods sold. I mean, if you didn't know the price of the houses you bought and then you tried to turn around and sell them, you'd probably lose your tail on properties. And we're the same way. I have to know exactly what everything we do costs so that we can sell it at a profit or if we're Mm -hmm. going to lose money, we need to know that in advance, right? Uh, But 
And I would say most attorneys just kind of price stuff based on what they hear or what they think the customer will pay. And we want to be around for another 40 years. And have you ever had like a favorite grocery store or restaurant or dry cleaner? And you only go there once every couple of years, but like it's a great place. And then you go and it's closed. Like how horrible is that? Your CPA goes out of business. So we run our business like a business, like a profitable Mm -hmm. business to make sure that we are in business to help our clients down the road. And it scares me that a lot of small and so small law firms really don't do that. They're just kind of winging a prayer, you know, and and um, so we might be a little more expensive on some things. That's because we have to be because inflation has hit all of us. And so we charge a little bit more. But do you really want to work with someone who's going to be out of business in three years because they didn't run their business like they should have? It's so true. I think and one once of the you things- systemize everything, by the way, then you can spend your time and energy on the service. Mm-hmm. So, but if you're trying to rob Peter to pay Paul all the time, you know, if I in my business, if I if I don't buy it right and I've got to fix it up and sell it, then I'm not going to fix it up right. You're exactly right. You're going to cut corners to stay in business. Yeah. And that that hurts you, it hurts your brand and it hurts your buyer. And so and so and I I think we're exactly the same. And you know, we keep having this conversation. So we get a lot of pushback on price. We're a little higher than other attorneys. Some and and so the conversation, you know, a lot of people say, "Well, that's too much. I can't afford that." And as much as we want to want to try to lower the price to meet the budget needs of everyone, I don't know what to cut. Do I cut the attorney education meetings with the client? Do I cut the lifetime free phone calls? Do I cut the, we're essentially the secretarial service for our clients for life. I mean, if they need their trust emailed to their mortgage broker, to their banker, to their investment advisor, they call us and we just get it out to them same day. We have lifetime notary services. We have lifetime, uh, not only phone calls, but meetings and client meetings with their family just to help them understand what they're doing. So what do of those services do I cut so I can reduce the service and provide it for a lower about lower price? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to cut that stuff. I like operating a business like that. So that means that we can't serve everyone because we want to provide great service. I'm sure exactly. a lot like what you do. Yeah. And I think one of the things that your company does so well, um, especially on the marketing side, is you're very involved with other businesses, which I think plays a huge role in continuing after those three years that you talked about, because a lot of attorneys are in their own world and that's where they want to stay. But I love that you're not only involved in the actual senior world and the senior network, but you're also involved in the business industry. So you're, you're meeting, connecting with other business professionals yeah. and people see the value in you and your heart just because you put yourself out there and you're like, hey, I'm here. I want to help. Um, and that was something that stood out to Laurel and I is that you're, you're just a go getter and you're just like, I am here. Send anybody my way and I want to help them. And, um, you know, not everyone is like that. No, I mean, I have a lot of fun. I have a phenomenal staff. And in fact, I don't do any of the legal work anymore. I have two attorneys and a paralegal that do like 98% of all of the legal work. So my job is running the business and really, and not even that necessarily. I have someone who kind of takes care of the day to day. It's 
it's, it's setting the course, the vision, the marketing strategy, um, dealing with kind of just making sure we're in business for a long, long time. Yeah. You also have a radio show kind of coming up soon. I don't know if it's too early to say. No, no, I do. Um, so there's, <laughs> there's a radio show on 1380. Um, it runs um, uh, 1130 Sunday mornings and it's a 30 minute show. And we just kind of talk about estate planning issues. Um, in the interest of full disclosure, I don't get to it every week. Like sometimes they run reruns because the week just kind of got away from me. But we do do a radio show and it's a lot of fun doing that. Yeah, I, I have a good time with that. Yeah, Laura will actually be on it in March. So Yes. I'm, yeah, I'm we might even, me. we might even, if she has time, we might accelerate that schedule a little bit. So, oh, yeah, we can definitely rather, I'd like that to happen. do sooner rather than later. So, yeah, what do you see? Yeah, this is a point that you do have the time to do some outreach and help educate mm-hmm. the public and other business owners. So, yeah, I know 1380 is kind of the, financial business kind of channel and it's and so it's great that you're sponsoring a show on that yeah it's a lot of fun and so i'm doing those block programs um you know you just kind of talk for 26 minutes and 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 really we're doing uh yeah so it's it's a it's a great opportunity to just bring up issues and educate people and um you know if we get a little business out of it or can help somebody you know find their way that's really great exactly and what would you say when you were like really involved in um, the legal side and, and yeah. the marketing side, um, what was it like going from your previous job into attorney? Like, did it affect your personal life at all? I know that like an attorney is, you know, something that's a 24 seven kind of thing. <laughs> well, and, and so it, it did. I mean, I went from being a W2, well, I was a salesman. So I had, I worked on a commission, but I went from like this this false sense of, so that's a, I had a really middle-class mindset about security and, you know, having this false, actually a false sense of security, thinking that my employer was always going to be my employer and just provide Mm -hmm. me my means and sustenance for living for me and my family forever, right? That nothing could ever happen. I didn't have to worry. I had a guaranteed paycheck twice a month. I did that for 13, well, 15 years. And the, the reality is, is that it took me a while to understand that I have a owning your own business. You have a lot more security than you do if you have just one employer, because mm-hmm. right now I have hundreds and hundreds of clients. And so if one client gets mad at me, I still have, you know, the other 99% who are going to, you know, patronize our service, assuming we always, you know, work to do a good job. But, but um, so that sense of security of working for somebody else, Really, um, I, I kind of turned it upside down. It took my wife and I a little bit of time because at first we were afraid, like, oh, what if? Oh, what if it doesn't work? What if no one hires us? Mm-hmm. And my very first month, like my very first month, I was at 7500 I, I made $7,500. Like, it was, you know, I mean, like, oh, this is going to work. We can do this, you know? And, and I think that's what a lot of business owners struggle with is, um, that fear of it not working and making a leap of faith. I mean, and it, and it kind of is, but really the leap of faith. I mean, when they interviewed Jeff Bezos about his, about switching from being a financial advisor to operating it, you know, to starting Amazon. And he said, my regret isn't going to be, is going to be if I don't do it, mm-hmm. you know? So if, if people have the desire to go and start a business, I am so pro business. I just think, it gives you so much more freedom than than we would have if 
we, you know, went to work at the same place every day. And I don't think it's for everyone. I mean, every business needs employees. So we can't have every single person start a business. But if that's in somebody's, you know, kind of their DNA and they really want to get out there and they like doing that, um, I am a huge fan of, of starting your own business and taking the, taking the leap of faith. Because I would say in most cases, if you run it well, if you pay attention to marketing, if you have a business plan and a budget and slowly build a reserve and follow some profit first models to always make sure you get paid, then, you know, read a bunch of books, go to workshops and seminars. I mean, I think it, it's a great life. Oh, it sounds like you've learned a lot since taking that leap of faith. And yeah, I'm so glad that you had your wife by your side to kind of push you a little bit. Yeah, she she thought she was, there was a cliff there. That's what she was really doing. <laughs> it was dark, though, so. <laughs> yeah, no, she is, she's a good supporter, and she kind of keeps me grounded on things. But she also lets me do, you know, we, we had this crazy idea to um, do VIP river cruises. And so she let me buy this big cruising yacht. Um, I shouldn't say yacht, this 40-foot boat, though, that we have in the Sacramento Marina. And, I mean, it's been so fun to take clients out on river cruises but that was a crazy idea, but we wanted a way to just indeed to build a relationship with our clients. And we we're looking for something a little bit different. And we thought, yeah, let's, let's try this and see if it works, you know? And so there's, she lets me do a lot of things that on the outside might seem crazy, but really we go at it together and it's a calculated risk. And if it doesn't work, like what's the absolute worst that could happen? You know, I've already been there. I've had no job, no money. I've had a house foreclosed on. Like I've owed the IRS tons of money. Like I've been through all of that stuff. And so it's not going to get much worse than that. You know, I guess if I just wanted to, I guess I could be homeless, but I have too much family for that to happen. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, the worst that can happen, I've already lived through and Mm -hmm. I'm, and I know how to avoid that again. So I think at this point, you know, we try things and if they work great and if they don't, we cut them off and do something else. I love your mindset. What advice do you have for a business professional who, you know, may be wanting to start up that business that you were just talking about? Um, I would say probably number one is find, well, talk to some people who are successful in the business, in, in just any business. So that's the one of the things, and Laurel, you might be able to speak to this too, but it's really difficult to find like-minded business people just to get together with socially like your family doesn't understand Mm -hmm. and their encouragement is always well that's pretty risky you should go and apply with the state you're like I would rather you know jump off the Golden Gate Bridge than do that (laughs) so and then I would say become an avid student so one of the first books I, I recommend to everybody is Profit First so most business owners don't know how to pull profit out of their business and they end up just squandering it at the end of the year. They owe a bunch of money to the IRS that they mm. don't, that they can't pay because they just don't know how to deal with it. So, so profit first kind of guides them through that. I have people read, I, I recommend they start reading as much as they can. Um, just business books, mindset books, um, maybe even hire a personal coach or a business coach. I mean, how many professional athletes get to the top. I mean, when you start, you always have a coach, but even at the top of their game, Michael Jordan, I would be willing to bet always had a coach, right? And business people, they think it's a waste of money, 
I think it's an investment to make us better so we can be more profitable. So I'm a big fan of business coaches as well. And I mean, find a good one, but they're out there and business coaches, there's no other, you know, whether you're a dancer or an athlete or a actor or musician, you're going to have coaches or instructors who are going to, at whatever level, they're going to help you go, you know, increase your skills and knowledge. And I think business people, a lot of times ignore that generally. They think, oh, I've got it. I know what I'm doing. No, you don't. Just, no, you don't. Hire, find somebody. And, and I've been in business 20 years. I've been flipping houses for 20 years. It's a long time. I have a business coach. Yep. I, I belong to, I, I belong to the local real estate investing clubs. Yep. Uh, I spend my business partner and I, you know, have a large budget for ongoing education. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, in fact, my business partner spends a lot of time out there listening to different podcasts, looking for new ideas, mindset issues. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, we encourage the people who work for us to read business books and we have them give a report or take YouTube seminars or mm-hmm. I pay for Uh, sales training whatever they need and they have to report back to the whole group yeah our goal is not just for us but for the people who work for me right i'm trying i want each and every one of the women who work or men and women who work for me to have a business mindset as well and and run their departments like professionals and like their own business yeah right and all professionals should have ongoing education I absolutely agree. And it's not necessarily the technical stuff about for me, you know, being a lawyer and what, you know, the new laws like that is, that's just technical stuff. That's the easy stuff. I'm talking, what you and I are talking about is how to run a business, how to hire and fire, how to, you know, how to create a business plan or follow a budget or, 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 and maybe it's not technical. Maybe it's the mindset of how to, you know, deal with your family when you start making, you know, you know, seven figures a year and you pull up in the, in the really expensive car and they're like, Oh, must be nice. Lucky. (laughs) Like it's, there's no luck. I work my ass off for this. Leave me alone. And no, you can't borrow any money. And, you know, and then, you know, there's a lot of like some of the books I've read by Tony Robbins and Jim Rohn and uh, all these E-Myth, all these books talk about it. Um, Even Robert Kiyosaki to remember if you want to be successful at something, you surround yourself with people and information of, of, from people who have been successful in that thing. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I, I listen to every morning I get up and listen to um, David Nagel, who uh-huh. is who um, we're part of a, a daily kind of a 15 minute mindset coaching call with him every morning. And then I belong to another group. And then at seven, I do another 15 or 20 minutes with another. I mean, mindset is probably 90% of it. You know, if you have a negative mindset, if you have a if, have doubt or fears or worries, if you are unable to, unable to make decisions because you're just frozen from the inability to like decide and move, you're going to die. Like your business is not going to go anywhere. I mean, yeah. I mean, how many times have you read think and grow rich or the science of getting rich, right? Those are those mindset books really go a long way to helping get us out of that. And I call, I mean, and David Nagel actually is, is where I got the phrase, the middle-class mindset, but we were all raised with like, go to school, 
and we have these bells that we have to, you know, like first bell rings, we start, then, then we, another bell rings, we're at lunch. It's like the Flintstones, right? And then another bell rings, we start and another bell. And then we're always looking forward to like, it's hell now, but on the week after school, it'll be better. And the weekend will be better. And Christmas vacation will be better. And summer vacation will be better. But school is terrible. But maybe tomorrow will be better. And then when we get out of school and we go get a job, it's like, same thing. Oh, Friday. Oh, the weekend. Oh, uh, two weeks off. And then, oh, maybe I could retire someday. And so people go through a whole lifetime dreading what they spend eight or 10 or 12 hours a day doing, hoping for a little bits of a glimmer of, of happiness at the end. And really, like, and I know you've been doing this for 20 years. You probably still love what you do. I love what I do. I don't notice that I go to work, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm not looking forward to that weekend. In fact, my weekends are spent dealing with business things because this is what we love to do. Yeah. Laurel, too. I, you know, if I work the weekend, it's okay. Yeah. You're not but working. I do, and I, and, and I, you know, but I do make my life, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and you also take time off for yourself. But you can do that back. anytime. It's not just two weeks here, two weeks there. It's like, you know what, we're going to. And so I just think business owners get too. there. We're trained from a very young age to put our head down, not ask questions and work and accept what other people give to us. And it takes a, a it's difficult. It takes a mindset mindset shift to realize we're in charge. We can decide our destiny. And if it's up to us and if, if we so choose and are willing to and I and willing to work. And when I say work, I mean, there's not a one to one correlation between an hour work and a dollar earned. Mm -hmm. But as we get smarter and learn how to, I don't know, I was listening to someone the other day. He said, you want to know how to make a billion dollars, the fastest way to make a billion. And you and I might think of it, you know, buy and sell a whole bunch of houses. And he goes, no, you help, help a billionaire make 10 billion and take a 10% commission. <laughs> like, oh, that's really smart. Like, you know, I, it was just a different way of looking at that problem. And so surrounding ourselves with smart people, changing the way we view the world, getting a bunch of coaching and mindset and, and just changing who we are, becoming better, progressing. And on top of that, what you know what, what the byproduct of that is for the community? Clients get better service. Clients get better service. You're exactly right. When we, I mean, I don't know, I'm sure you have systems and processes in your office you know, and I, I actually have client or colleagues who brag that they are the only, that they don't have systems, that they treat everyone like family and every client is new. We have almost zero errors because we have really tight processes and clients get the same exact product every single time. And so we have much higher client engagement and client satisfaction because of those processes. It, it, clients get great service. They get um, and they get a great product. They get they're happy with what they get. They get a great value because we've taken what we do and and really like Michael Gerber says in the E Myth, we've really systematized it. Yeah, and you know that's my mindset is the more people I can help get what they want, the more I'm going to have every, I'll have everything that I need. That's that's and that's Bob Berger's the Go Giver. I don't know if you've read that. Bob Berg's the Go Giver. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But um, yeah, we our our libraries are probably the same. We should stop buying books and start trading books. <laughs> probably. Well, and I have Audible because I'm getting older and it's harder for me to read. Yeah, so I, I have Audible on all the time. I am. Uh, I'm the same way. <laughs> In the car. In fact, yeah. I just got turned on this book called Switch. Oh, I and, haven't heard uh, that one. Yeah, it's 
it, it's great. It's really about how to manage mindset and to create, um, to help people with their mindset. And I, I'm using I, it on my uh, my family now <laughs> as I learn it. Then I'll, then I'll turn it loose on the employees. You know? Oh, gosh. Yeah, well, That's I right. mean, I think that but is. But it's really about, about how to, you know, listen better to people so that you can hear what motivates them. And have that be systemized. So. Oh, that's, that's a great, great book. Who, that's a great. Who? Who's the author? Let me get it for you here. I oh, love you two connected. It's great. <laughs> yeah. No. And, and and I mean, this is what business people need. First of all, we kind of Dan speak Heath. This, who is it? Dan Heath. Dan yeah. Heath. Uh huh. Yeah, we speak the same language. We're doing the same thing. We're trying to help as many people as possible. And when I see somebody, you know, I talk to lawyers a lot. So when I see other lawyers who buy a big house or drive a nice car, or do something, go on amazing vacation, the question is how many clients had to get phenomenal service to make that thing possible? You know, and it's, and so you're, you're exactly right. The more people you can serve, the better off their lives are and the better off your life is. Exactly. Well, we are so grateful that you took the time to share your heart and it was great to hear your background and to hear yeah. about how you're running your business today. And I just hope that it uh, inspired people and really helped them realize, you know, why they got started and what they're doing as well. Well, and again, I appreciate the invitation. Thank you very much. Yeah. And thank you so much for listening to Heart to Biz. Please join us next Thursday for a brand new episode where we interview another business professional and hear their heart behind what they do. Thank you for listening to the Heart to Biz podcast. For more information on past and upcoming episodes, please visit heart2biz.com.